It is the 200 level, episode 312. I'd say Happy New Year, but forgive the terrible pun. It has been a crappy new year in terms of Illinois sports. Let me be specific with that. Two sports have not had great starts to 2023. The one sport, which has a big game tonight, Illinois women's basketball, certainly has. And kudos to Shauna Green and that team and a big opportunity tonight to continue this momentum against Northwestern. Maybe they will actually get the win against their in-state rivals, something that the other basketball team cannot say. We're going to start with men's basketball, despite the fact that I had gotten back from Tampa and had a great time. I'll end the podcast talking about the bowl experience, which while the game had its frustrations overall, I got to say the bowl game and the way it was run and the overall vibe there was tremendous. And it was enough to make me say, you know what? I want to go to bowl games going forward because I don't want to take it for granted. And I hope that we get to a place where Brett Bielema makes bowl games consistently. The big takeaway, before I get into basketball and really dig dig deep into that, the big takeaway for me this season is what could have been. You know, overall, I said you had to give them an A, but man, time and time again, when you get these paper cuts in the form of close losses, it starts to wear on you, and it was certainly a source of frustration for me on January 2nd. I got over it pretty quick. You know, my wife was great. You know, she let me get a few F-bombs out, out of earshot of any kids, so do not worry. I got my token two, three F-bombs out of the way, took a few deep breaths. Five minutes later, I realized I'm in 80-degree Tampa on a beautiful sunny day with my wife enjoying a nice vacation, and that's immediately what we went back to. But it was still fun, and I think the things are still on an upward trajectory, and while there are questions, specifically with the offense and whatever the hell happened with the offensive line in that bowl game, I think another big takeaway is just how good the defense was with Aaron Henry, and I was very encouraged without your two best, arguably, your two best secondary guys, that you were still able to do what you did against a pretty potent Mississippi State offense. So, positives, a few negatives, of course, losing the game, the biggest negative of all, but I'm going to start with the podcast focusing on Illinois basketball, and this is kind of where we've made our bread and butter the last few years is with Illinois basketball and their resurgence. And this has been a puzzling year, to put it mildly, because you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, how high I was on this team early on based on the overall talent level and the athleticism, the positionless basketball we've heard so much about. It felt like you were getting closer and closer to that. And now as we sit here, 14 games into it, it is remarkable how differently we all feel than how we did a month ago. Four weeks, almost to be exact, when you beat Texas in overtime at Madison Square Garden. And boy, were we feeling our oats then as we should have been because that was an impressive comeback. And at that point, the second top 10 win that this team had collected on the season. There were solid performances against Virginia where you took them right to the end of it, where there was the 30-point Syracuse win. So it's not like this team was without really big moments, and we all understood that there would be a few bumps along the way. I don't think any of us expected a perfect perfect season. We expected speed bumps, but not a valley like this. And the scary thing is, as it often feels when you're in a valley, you don't know how you're going to get out of it. I don't know what the answers are, and I'm not being paid to figure out what those answers are. That's more for Brad Underwood, but it's so bad that there's not one, two, or three things that you can point to and say, if you just do that, you're going to be okay. 
And it's so much more of an emotional than a logical thing, right? You know, I don't think there's many logical things we could point to and say, if they just do this, everything will be better. It really points to the simplest of things of sports. The team that wants it more, when you're at this level of athletics, athletics, right? The team that wants it more often wins. If all things are fairly equal considering talent, the team that wants it more often is the one that comes away with the win. And in this Big Ten, where I don't think anymore that there is a great team, I thought Illinois could have been a great team, doggone it, they certainly are not. Purdue, at times, but do you really buy them as a number one, even a top five team, even top ten? I don't know. When all is said and done, I don't necessarily think that way. I don't think there's a great team in this Big Ten. So we know on any given night, any given team can win. So with that as the sort of logical base that we're working off of, It comes down to sometimes just what team wants it more. And to me, the most disappointing thing of this stretch, Penn State, Missouri, Northwestern wanted it more than you did. And what really doesn't make sense after the first time that you stunk up the joint against Penn State is that a team that has enough veterans to know better continues to go out there and look lifeless, for lack of a better term. That, to me, is maddening. And you'd like to think that the culture of this thing is beyond that. You'd like to think in year six of Brad Underwood, you could overcome some new additions and trying to figure out the chemistry of a team. But this thing is so broken right now, and it's broken on an emotional, chemical level. I don't know if any sort of schematics are going to change that. You're getting beat for loose balls. You are getting sloppy and fouling the hell out of the other team. And do not even get started on the the refs suck last night. The fact of the matter is, Illinois, for all the athleticism, we're not attacking the rim nearly as much as they should have been. You want to get to the line, go to the rim. And for a team that has all these athletes, Illinois, for some reason, was allergic to doing so last night. I don't understand it. Northwestern might have gotten a few calls, but they still won by 13 points. They still went on a 20-2 run in the second half. Now, I need to get something out of the way real quick. Just full disclosure, I did not watch the second half. Why? Well, it was a travel day for us getting back from Tampa. Two flights, then trip back home from Midway. I was pooped. Nice to see the dog again. We're on the couch. We watched the first half. Eyes are getting heavy. And I, I just sort of shake my head and I say, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not. A word that Trevor used as me and him and Isaac were texting yesterday was, you know, if we lose tonight, I'm going to disassociate. I was somewhat disassociated at the end of that first half. I'd seen enough to realize I'm not emotionally invested in this team. Let me rephrase. Maybe a little bit, but certainly not what I'd like to be. Okay, I'm not going to pretend like I have no emotion invested in this team. But I had such little emotion that I said, I would rather go to bed early and check the score in the morning. So that's what I did. I actually went to bed when Illinois was up four in the second half. I'm reading a Wikipedia article. The last thing I see from a friend is... Oh, Sincere Harris got teed up, and I thought, well, that's peculiar. Go to bed, and then as I kind of do, you know, you wake up once or twice throughout the night, and I wake up at you know 1.30 in the morning, and I think, oh, oh, yeah, better check the final score. And it would have been one thing if you had lost 60-58 to 58 against Northwestern, right? Still would have been probably a pretty piss-poor effort and, and things that you'd shake your head about. But when I saw 73-60 to 60, that you lost by 13 freaking points to this Northwestern team 
And I don't care what the metrics say about their defense. No, this Northwestern team talent-wise should not hold a candle to Illinois, and yet they kick your ass for all intents and purposes. And it took a rally from this Illinois team to make it look somewhat respectable in terms of margin, which 13-point loss to Northwestern is never respectable. Don't get me wrong. This team sucks. And they aren't likable. And I'm not really sure at the moment what's redeemable about any of it. From the coaches to the players to the whole stinking product. I don't like it. And neither do you, I'm sure. And there might be some of you saying, well, we've been 9-5 and five before. And that is true. We have been 9-5 and five before. Uh, twice with Brad Underwood. First in 2019 and 20. And then in 2020, 21. And both of those teams found their way to success. But from my vantage point, I don't see an Io DeSumo out there. I certainly don't see a Kofi Coburn out there. And boy, for all my, I don't want to say bluster, but trying to kind of rationalize, oh, we lost Kofi, but overall, I think the product might be better. I know I've said things along those lines. Boy, do I look foolish for that. I think Kofi looks kind of foolish for deciding to declare for the NBA and then ending up playing for some Japanese team that last time I checked is last in their league, whatever the hell league it is. No offense to Japanese professional basketball, but Jesus. And then you just start to look at this and ask yourself, why be emotionally invested in these guys at all? Because they aren't even emotionally invested in the game that they're playing. We knew it from the jump yesterday. The reason I was okay going to bed as early as I did was because I was not going to subject myself to a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds, many of whom were getting paid to do this. And don't forget that point. Many of whom were getting paid, somewhat handsomely perhaps, to play this game. And they suck to high heaven right now. And they just aren't playing ball. I just What I do not understand is ever getting to the level of something where you're so good at something and you half-ass it I had a few angry tweets, if you want to call them that, or disgruntled, whatever, in the first half last night, one of which was a question I raised during the Missouri game. You know, you only get about 30 opportunities each year in college basketball, 30, let's say, 35, and for you to not want to take advantage of each one of those, to take for granted the fact that you only play twice a week, it's not like they have that many games overall. And no sense of urgency. I don't, I can't comprehend that. I'm in a band that plays, you know, 10 gigs a summer and and we look forward to each one. And some gigs are better than others, but I try to enjoy each and every one of them. Jesus, I try to go out there and put on a good show. And I know that's apples and oranges. And these guys are putting in 80, 100 hour weeks, essentially between school and practice. I never had to do that and I won't pretend to. But when you get to that level, how can you look like you're that freaking miserable that you don't even want to be there? And that's what this team looks like. That goes beyond any schematics or anything that Brad Underwood, as far as X's and O's, can fix. But that does lead to some larger questions about Brad Underwood that I've been pondering the last few weeks. And I'll get to that but first, the sponsors. Okay, so I got to thank DP Doe, of course. And DP Doe, I'd say get a celebratory calzone. I don't know the next time this basketball team is going to win a freaking game. But also, DP Doe is great for business lunches. So here's the thing. If you're at an office 
in Champaign-Urbana, you're looking to kind of change up your lunch routine, why not order online at dpdo.com? They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That is dpdo.com. Also, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. These guys are the best at any home exterior project, and we're already in 2023. The weather is fairly mild for January. looks to be that way for the rest of the month. Before you know it, it's spring. These guys are 12-month-a-year workers. It would take a really bad bout of winter weather for them to not be able to work on projects outside your home. So you can get a free quote today at rectorconstruction.com. That is R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing is your home's best friend, and you might as well do the double of getting your furnace checked and your AC checked. We already got our AC check scheduled for the spring. We had uh, Matt, the technician, come out. He was tremendous, and our furnace has been purring like a kitten and has kept us warm in what was an early bout of winter weather. I'm sure we're not through the woods yet. we got plenty more weeks of cold to go before we finally get to some warmth. But Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, they are the goods. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, brianismyguy.com. And he has been our guy for a couple years now, more than two years, because we moved into this house October 2020. And we're going to stay with him and and the staff as long as we're here, as long as we're in Champaign-Urbana, which I think is going to be the rest of our lives. Uh, Brian makes things super easy. You get the State Farm prices as you expect, but it's really the service which sets him apart. Uh, You know, with the ease of communication and how quickly he gets back to you shows that he truly is invested. And uh, we appreciate that. And I'm sure you would too. So go online to brianismyguy.com. That's State Farm Agent Brian Hansen at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network, of course. And uh, you, the listeners, I appreciate um, all the listening. <laughs> yeah, because that was not my best transition. I will say this, though. It was really cool being at the ReliQuest Bowl and running into some listeners, um, Andrew and, and Bailey and a bunch of others. Took some pictures with people. It was really cool. And, you know, it was funny. We met up with, uh, it was me and Kara and then a good buddy of mine. His mom lives down in Fort Myers and she drove up for the game. So she was hanging out with us. We go in the stadium and, and she was just amazed that she saw two guys, Bailey and somebody else come up and say hi to us and uh, was just super cool about it. And I uh, uh, thought it was pretty neat, you know, cause she grew up in this area and listened to the Lauren Tates and the Jim Turpins of the world. And by no means am I saying I'm anywhere near those guys' level, but she, she thought, wow, like, you know, these people listen to your podcast. I'm like, yeah, you know, and we are not, the, the biggest thing on the market, we kind of got our nice little niche here, but it goes to show, I think, that a lot of the Illini fans that showed up, if you're going to travel all the way to Tampa, you're a hardcore fan. And I think the one niche that we've really kind of cornered in this 200 level thing is I think that my uh, credentials as a fan are, are well documented. They're out there. And it was really cool to hear specifically from people that they appreciated my perspective because it, my perspective is not going to be journalistic. It's not going to be objective most of the time, very subjective. And I know it's not for everybody, but it's cool to meet people that enjoy it. So thank you. And it was so cool talking with a few people um, outside of the stadium and inside the stadium. And uh, yeah, you know, Illini fans, and I'll get to this later with the bowl game. You know, we are 
a pretty impressive group of fans. And, and I've said many times that every fan base kind of sucks in their own way. And sometimes Illinois fans, we kind of suck too. But there is an earnest longing for success. And the turnout for a bowl game with the way that that month of November went, for a bowl game in Tampa against Mississippi State, no offense to them, but not some marquee matchup per se, that's impressive. We outnumbered them, I think, two to one. And it was difficult to tell because I, I didn't have the vantage point of both sides of the stadium. I was looking across, like most Illini fans, to the Mississippi State section. But even though they had their cowbells, we were louder. We were more well-represented. So it was impressive, and it's something to build on. And you know that the foundation is there. Now you just got to win consistently. I'll get to football. But first, I got to get to Brad Underwood, and I, I better take some coffee for this. Hmm. Okay, um, you know, if you've listened, that I'm a big Brad Underwood fan. Or up to this point, I have been. I was unsure for the first two years and two months, let's say. It was really up through the Michigan State loss, I want to say January 2nd, 2020. You lost up there 76-56, to 56, I believe, 20-point loss. And then you turned it on. That team, that Illinois team, ended up beating Iowa the last game of the year. They got second place in the Big Ten. COVID happened, didn't make the tournament, as n- nor did anyone else, of course. But that was the turnaround. And then you followed that up with the number one seed, a Big Ten tournament title, the disappointing loss to Loyola, but there were a lot more big wins that season than big losses. Of course, you were left wanting more. Last year, you get the Big Ten regular season title. Really, you have two of those in a row, um, but that's neither here nor there. And then another disappointment in the NCAA tournament. You almost lost in round one, and then you lose to Houston. But I have echoed many times that if you continue to make tournaments, the success will come. It it just will. And we've seen this in the likes of Tony Bennett or Jay Wright at Villanova. It took time, and eventually they broke broke through. I had no reason to expect any different from Brad Underwood, but... Right now, the long-term prospects of this program are really secondary, you know, and and there may be concerns long-term, but short-term, the concern is how do you fix this? How do you salvage this? Because I don't think you're going to fully fix it. I think it is broken beyond total repair, but can you fix it enough just to limp your way into the NCAA tournament? As I sit here today, I don't see how that happens. There are far too many things on the court that are not working for this team. One of those things that is not working for this team on the court, off the court, culture, whatever you want to call it, those intangible things, I think, is Brad Underwood's approach. I spoke fairly uh, callously, I suppose, after the Penn State game when there was a little bit of online controversy about the fart noise. You guys, of course, remember the fart noise heard around the world. And I mentioned how, while it's apples and oranges, as a teacher, I can appreciate the fact that sometimes you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And the frustration that comes from that. And sometimes these players or these kids, they need a good talking to. I also mentioned that considering a lot of these players are NIL and they're making money, the game has kind of changed. And I don't necessarily mind some brutal honesty from the head coach. When these guys that came in, they kind of knew what they were signing up for. They knew that Brad Underwood was a fiery guy, or at least they should have. And 
That was three, four weeks ago. So you might say, well, Carp, can you really change your tune without being a hypocrite? And that might be a fair criticism. It might be. But here's the thing. I would have still been on pro, yell your head off, stomp around the court if this team had responded well after Penn State. And it is clear that they have not. This team is not responding to whatever Brad Underwood is telling them. They are not responding to the histrionics on the sideline and the huffing and puffing and the stomping. And I am not above using those tools. If you're a coach and you think that's what you need to get out, get something out of your players at a certain time, that's fine. It worked to a great extent the last two, three years. It is not working this year. And we're getting to a point of no return where if you continue to lose games, I don't think this team, even if they figure things out, is good enough to rattle off 8 of 10 or something like that to dig you out of a deep hole, which right now this team is trending towards digging themselves a deep hole. There is no rest for the weary now. The way the schedule shakes out, you have Wisconsin on Saturday. Uh-oh. At Nebraska, the way Nebraska's playing compared to how you're playing, I don't like that. Unfortunately, you have to win that game, but I would have said the same about Northwestern. Then you get Michigan State next Friday. At home, sure. The time is now, and I don't think with the snap of your fingers you can figure this thing out because it seems like there is such a deep disconnect between what Brad Underwood wants to accomplish and what the players are actually hearing. That is scary short-term. It might be scary long-term in that... Brad Underwood, his credentials, they're well-documented. The guy wins more games than he loses, and the turnaround here is still a pretty incredible turnaround. No coach was able to turn around a program in five years. Lou Henson, I think, took six or seven. Um, So that's the biggest comp you could probably, or the closest comparison you could probably have to what Brad Underwood did. But to do what he did in the first five years from what he inherited and how bad they were year one and year two is still remarkable. That is going to buy him time. His job is safe. Let's not pretend otherwise. But you are sort of staring down the barrel of having to reevaluate how you do this. I was pro-NIL. I still am. I think it's right for the players. And I think as Illinois, we have a unique advantage in having an alumni base that has a lot of money and a hungry fan base that is willing, even if you aren't a big money donor, to donate to the Illini Guardians or something like that. And also, being in the Big Ten, the money that's coming in, it will find its way to the players. It already is. I don't mind that. We can use that to our advantage. Other teams, like in Missouri, I don't know if it's NIL per se, but the transfer thing has worked pretty damn well for them. They're ranked, deservedly, and good for them, even though I hate it. But why is this only not working, but actually failing miserably at the moment for Brad Underwood. Why is this thing so broken to the point where I don't know if any of us really feel confident with them figuring anything out? And that is the $3.5 million question, which I think is what Brad Underwood's making. And I don't know if the $3.5 million a year man has the answers to it. Right now, his shtick, if you want to call it that, is tiresome to me. Not to everybody. Had a good conversation with uh, Trevor and Isaac last night. And I I can understand the perspective from some fans that they appreciate the fact that Brad Underwood at least is still showing he cares. And as a Bears fan that lived with Lovey and felt like, man, a little bit more emotion would be great, I can relate to that sometimes too. But the game has changed. The players on this team 
have a different approach. You can call them soft, and you know what? I don't think you'd necessarily be wrong. I think there is some softness to these guys. There's a lack of leadership, and there might be some, let's call it what it is, basketball knuckleheads. They are not the sharpest knife in the shed when it comes to basketball teams or basketball IQ. And that's just that that's the damn truth. If you think I'm roasting 18 to 22 year old kids, fine. But if you've been watching the same games that I have, this team is not known for smart basketball. Their talent was able to overcome that in some of these early wins. It's not overcoming it now because teams have adjusted and figured out how to neutralize Illinois' threats. So what does Brad Underwood do? I don't know. And I'm in such a show me mode as a fan where I've kind of disassociated from this team. The frustration has less to do with the team and the individuals on it and more to do with the fact that, wait, you're telling me this winter might kind of suck? I thought we had gotten over that. I thought that it was just going to be a question of what's your seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think most prognosticators would have said the same thing. While many of them might not have been as high on this team as I was, or guys that covered this team thinking, wow, look at the talent he's amassed here. This thing might work really, really well. And even if there's bumps along the way, there's still going to be a threat in March. Are they going to make it to March is now the question. And not an outlandish one. Because while you do have two marquee wins, you also are starting to pile up not just losses, but significant losses. Like losing at home to a Penn State team that just last night, Michigan was able to beat Penn State at home. Michigan. You should be better than Michigan. You should be. At the moment, you aren't. I should be able to make fun of Juwan Howard and the fact that I want him to stay there forever because I think he's positively mediocre. But instead, we have our own things to worry about, like making the stupid tournament. The fact that we're even discussing that in early January with what this program should be after three years of success, which allowed you to go get some really awesome talent in the portal. And don't let their recent performances fool you. I know that Terrence Shannon was not a star at Texas Tech. I know Matthew Meyer was the sixth man at Baylor. I know that Dane Danger was not really a proven commodity. You got a lot of young guys. You got a Coleman Hawkins who has still not done it consistently. But you know what? It's still enough. And in this Big Ten, it is especially enough. Except it isn't right now. Why is that? So he can have his outburst or two per game. That's fine. But the more that continues, the uglier this gets. I'm not going to be there Saturday. I don't want to be there Saturday because that thing might get ugly. And what I mean by that thing is the environment in that stadium. There is a vitriol that can bubble up as a fan. If you sense that your team is half-assing it. If we are 0-3 in the Big Ten because the other three teams just played their asses off and just kind of out-executed you, and a few bounces went their way instead of yours, my mindset might be different. But the fact of the matter is, you've kind of gotten your bell rung in all three Big Ten games, and the last two specifically, you haven't showed up for great parts of that game. To me, that's inexcusable. That's BS. And my fear is if I went to the game, I would actually boo the home team, which is really salty and really immature, of course. But before you go playing the world's smallest violin for Brad Underwood and these players on the team, these 18 to 22-year-olds, as I often say, before you go playing the world's smallest violin for them, remember, this is not amateur sports as you remember. This is a $3.5 million a year head coach. 
and guys like Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer that are probably doing okay when it comes to NIL money. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. And they are not holding up their end of the bargain. They aren't. The veterans aren't leading. The freshmen aren't producing. And then some of the in-betweeners like an RJ Melendez are just kind of there. I don't know what the hell this team is. I don't like them one bit. And it is almost disgust. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? How can you not, being the athletes you are, being at the level you're at, how can you not put more into it than what you are on the court? I don't really care about practice or anything. I know that their weeks are long and they put a lot of time into it. But for the 40 minutes that you're on the court, how can that be the best that you can possibly do? If Northwestern shoots lights out and they beat you with an inspired performance and they just edge you because of that, fine. It sucks, but you know what? Northwestern has beat good teams before. But when they go on a 20-2 run and they beat you by 13, when Chase Audige was really the only offensive threat, I mean, boo freaking Bowie was 0 for 10 from the field at one point in that game, and they still beat you, and they still beat you comfortably. The fact that you lost to a guy named Boo Booey is a whole other thing. I mean, Jesus Christ. So it's an embarrassment. It is kind of sending you back to square one in a way that I didn't think you'd have to go back to square one. And... As I sit here, I can't picture this team making the tournament. I mean, why? why? Based on what? Based on what they did a month and a half ago? A month ago? Of course, it's a what have you done for me lately thing, but the problem is the way that this thing is unraveled, it's hard to figure out how you ravel it back. And if that's a word, can you ravel something? It's disconcerting, and uh, Brad Underwood, I think, is really the crux of this. I really do, because... As I tweeted last night, I said there's two options here. Um, One of them is that Brad Underwood, God dang it, how did I put it? Let me pull this up on Twitter real quick. Because this one got a lot of reaction, and I want to make sure that I'm not misrepresenting what I said. Okay, I said Underwood can be as pissed off as he wants, but either one, he's done his worst coaching job despite amassing a bunch of talent, or two, He's amassed a bunch of talented morons who don't take to his coaching. And neither option is good. So which is it? Is it bad coaching? Or is it talented morons, for lack of a better term? Both options suck. And if it is option two, and they are talented, but they're a bunch of basketball IQ dimwits, that's on Underwood too. This is year six. There is no reason for there to be this precipitous of a drop-off exponential, if you will, of a drop-off. And just because they have a 9-5 and record like a couple past successful years does not mean that this team has a Kofi Rio walking through that door, or for that matter, even a Trent Frazier, or for that matter, even a DeMonte Williams that actually had a set of balls on him, which I don't know if anyone on this team does. Charmin Soft, and a coach who stamps and stomps and yells and huffs and puffs and might give himself a brain aneurysm. And this is how my basketball program that I root for, for my alma mater, this is how we're representing ourselves. It's freaking embarrassing. And that 
pisses me off. The macro, the most macro part of it pisses me off that this is the representation that we get. With still no NCAA tournament wins worth the crap to speak of. See, that's just it. The crux of this is two things. Of course, the product on the court right now stinks. We know that. It is compounded by the fact that while we all, in some way, shape, or form, acknowledge the incredible turnaround of the Brad Underwood era, there was the still wanting that late-season success. So what did we do this year? We calibrated our expectations. And while I said, yeah, I think this team's going to win the Big Ten because the Big Ten's weak, and I think overall you got the most talent, whoops, shame on me. But really, all that mattered this year was just making the second weekend of the tournament. And that is not an outlandish thing to ask if you truly are a top 25 program. I don't know, maybe make uh, out of the four tournaments you make, one out of four, maybe you can make the second weekend. Fair, I would think. And right now you're talking about maybe not making it at all. A little frustrating. And then you mix in with that what the, the body language and the attitude on the court. I mean, it's really hard as a fan to not say screw them. My method, if you will, you know, what I do when I get pissed off about stuff like this, the podcast is an outlet. When I'm done with this, I'm, I'm moved on from it in, in terms of I'm not sitting tonight as, you know, Karen and I are watching TV and out of norm, like, God damn it, Coleman Hawkins. No, it's, <laughs> it comes out, I get it out, I move on. Rely Quest Bowl, they win, I drop an F-bomb, walk out of Raymond James, I move on. In that way, I guess you could say I've gotten more mature. But in another way, <laughs> it, it is still that fandom that has us turning into the games and, and going to the games in some cases and then being treated to just half-assed apathy. So when I cool down... I find apathy is really the biggest emotion that I feel. And I don't want that for a basketball program that gave me three really good years in a row and seems to be on a good trajectory. I, how is this the case so soon and so sudden? There was someone on Twitter, and I want to make sure I get this right. Um, Trent was not none too fond of my tweet about, you know, Either Underwood is doing his worst coaching job or he's got a bunch of talented morons. Trent said, who? The players are fanboy carpets. Amazing how quickly people expect a team comprised of underclassmen and transfers to gel. Brad has started seasons 9-5 to at Illinois before, but I guess hot takes and patience. Mixed like oil and water. Buzzwords, Trent. Patience. We're already halfway through the season. 14 games, right? So you basically have 30 games in the regular season. So you're halfway through it. And at the halfway point, you look like dog crap. Not a lot of patience in that regard. Not a lot of patience when your head coach is seemingly unhinged and has no answers to this. And if you want to use the context of the nine to five seasons before this, like I've said three times before in this podcast, Iowa and Kofi are not walking through this door. Trent also continues, then just make sure he gets the same amount of credit when this team finally puts it all together, which they will. Based on what, Trent? If they do, I will be the first person giving Brad Underwood credit, just like I did upteen times in the last two and a half years. I will laud him with praise for somehow bringing this thing together. I'll be first in line, but you know what? 
Right now, it doesn't look like it'll happen. Oh, boy. Unfortunately, uh, I got a message. Someone had a Ked Prince tweet for me to see, but Ked blocked me. I'm sure I'm missing something very illuminating. Yeah, here's the thing. Until they show us more, you can't bank on anything. You can't. And um, Saturday, sure, they can win. I mean, college sports and college basketball and football specifically can just be weird. And I'm sure that the biggest spread is not going to be more than three, four points. You know, Wisconsin's not going to come in here like seven, eight point favorites. Despite how bad Illinois has been, there's going to be this idea that Illinois will rebound. And, and come back and get a win that is absolutely a must win. I mean, Terrence Shannon all but guaranteed it. And when Terrence Shannon, who in his homecoming yesterday, put on such an inspired performance, tells you that, you got to believe it, right? Now, maybe I shouldn't take the facetious or sarcastic approach here. But part of the problem as well with these players and the way they've been responding this year. You know, Derek Piper tweets out after the Penn State game that the vibe was off. And then Coleman Hawkins responds with, ha, 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 you know, whatever, that's crazy talk. No, every indication is that the vibe is off. Sorry that I don't necessarily take your word for it, Coleman or Matthew Meyer, who immediately after saying that, you know, coach doesn't like me fasting and whatever the whatever his grievances may be, an hour later tweets out, it's all good. Just kidding. Don't nothing to see here. God, they're frustrating. They're really, really freaking frustrating right now. And we will be here. <laughs> For the second half on Saturday. That's what I mean to say. We'll be here for the second half on Saturday against Wisconsin. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, they got to win it. If they don't, then... What's the bottom? Losing by 13 to Northwestern, pretty bad. This is not a Northwestern team that's going to make the tournament. Do not do not fool yourselves. They just got smoked by Ohio State. They suck. Like, a good Northwestern team, by their standards, still sucks. Illinois, when they have a solid, healthy program, should not be losing to Northwestern. John Gross loses to Northwestern. Late-era Bruce Weber might lose to Northwestern. Year six, after three top 25 finishes, Big Ten tournament, Big Ten regular season titles, I don't care how many new faces he got in there, Trent, the tweeter, but you don't lose by 13 points to Northwestern and pretend like that's normal or okay. It's worth castigating them. It is worth saying that is not okay. Embarrassing for those especially who went last night. And I'm starting to learn, as much fun as I had the bowl game, tread carefully when you travel for Illinois sports or sports in general. Because, man, it does suck walking out of a stadium that's not your own when they lose. It's bad enough walking out of the State Farm Center or Memorial Stadium when they lose. But an opposing venue, Walsh Ryan Arena, and all those nerds up there, give me a break. Whiteout. Last night was a whiteout. Because they sold out the Walsh Ryan Arena. And by the way, Brandon Godin or Godan, whatever the hell his name is on, on Big Ten Network, had to let you know a few times it was the first sellout since last year. Oh, I wonder why. Hmm. Oh, oh there's an orange shirt. Oh there's, an, oh, there's a few hundred orange shirts there. Maybe that has a little something to do with it because Northwestern doesn't actually have basketball fans. And yet, and yet, despite the fact you probably outnumbered their fans, the performance that our fans were treated to last night by our <laughs> beloved basketball team was that utterly craptastic performance disgusting that's all I got to say about that really frustrating <sighs> let me get some more coffee here 
Okay. Football. Rely Quest Bowl. Tampa was awesome. We stayed in Ybor City, which is this funky neighborhood just east of downtown. They got this trolley that links Ybor City to downtown Tampa. It's really quaint. In Ybor City, they have this ordinance where birds, specifically hens and chickens and roosters, they can just walk the streets and you can't mess with them. So the first thing we see when we get to our hotel in Ybor City, we check in and we're walking down to get some lunch and we just hear these roosters crowing. And this goes on call and response style. This is New Year's Day and we got down there bright and early. So the street is pretty dead, 7th Avenue. And we're just surrounded by roosters and hens. It was a really cool, funky way to get the, the trip started. Ate at this restaurant called the Columbia, which is the oldest continuing, continually operating restaurant in Florida, 100 plus years, and a, a Spanish restaurant that was just absolutely incredible. We, we So nice, we had it twice. Lunch when we got there and then dinner before we left. And 7th Avenue in, in Ybor City was a really cool home, home base for us. The bowl game itself, I got to say, the vibes were great. Outside of the stadium, inside the stadium, you know, ReliQuest Bowl was a very well-run event. And knowing how they operate, it's not like Illinois is going to be down there next year or the year after. I know they try to rotate. So that's not likely. But I hope that Illinois' turnout makes us more attractive for future trips down there because when they're down there again, Karen and I will be right back there. We really enjoyed it in Tampa. Had a day on St. Pete Beach on January 3rd and overall a great trip despite the loss. You know, the game itself, I want to start with the positives. I thought Aaron Henry had a, a masterful first game. And, you know, a, a tweeter had responded, and this is a good point. I was disappointed in the defensive line, but as a tweeter had mentioned, you know, the whole scheme was essentially drop eight. You know, if you watch Gabe Ackes, for instance, I was really keen on him on the edge. And more often than not, he was actually being pulled back into zone coverage. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. And so no wonder you weren't getting their quarterback. Nonetheless, um, that would be my only gripe is that there was hardly any pressure. Instead, kudos to Aaron Henry for this and uh, for Jamison, the D-line coach. They were saying, guys, we're going to send three, maybe four. Just get your hands up and try to block the pass. You had young secondary guys make some plays. I thought that the Matthew Bailey pick, I mean, that's a big-time play from a kid that had two big-time interceptions this year. Secondary overall, I thought played well. I mean, you were going to get everything from this air raid offense. And even though they didn't have their top receiver, they still had enough talent to make plays. And they made just enough. But, you know, to the defense's credit, it was really because they were on the field so damn much that they finally just let up. And it sucks. You know, like I was like, one more stop, one more stop. And you didn't get it. And of course, it was, fr- it was frustrating. One of my F-bombs came right for that, the long run <laughs> that put it away. Uh, yeah, that was that was a bummer. The other one I'm pretty sure came after the scoop and score on the you know hook and ladder, lateral madness, which that was just insult to injury. Because for a second there on that play, it actually looked like we might turn it into something, uh, which would have been absolutely insane. But of course, it did not finish that way. Defense, though, I'm still pretty damn proud of. All things considered, the defense was awesome this year. And to see that continuity with Aaron Henry taking the reins, that's not to say there won't be bumps next year and that you aren't going to miss a Devin Witherspoon and a Sidney Brown and we'll see who else stays and who leaves. But you do feel like you're in pretty solid footing defensively next year, regardless of who comes back. And they responded well to Aaron Henry in that first game. That, that I think is very encouraging. You would not have known whether or not Ryan Walters was on the sideline or not based on the performance. So that's, that's really cool. Offensively. 
Tommy DeVito was not very good the last month of the year. Bowl game and November was not very good. There are probably a multitude of reasons for that. I think that anytime you get on tape, defenses figure out tendencies. They figure out how to slow you down. Since he got hurt in the Iowa game, the mobility went away. He was so good against Minnesota, his best game of the year, and he was fine against Nebraska. But man, the month of November, not all that good. Um, Michigan, I thought he was pretty decent against given the circumstances, but Tommy was not the same guy that we saw in September and October. Not to say I don't love the guy because he is a huge reason why you went eight and five. And for that, we will be eternally grateful that we got a, a, I'm going to not say great. I'm going to say solid quarterback and I'm not going to go above solid because unfortunately when it came down to it in big games, Tommy was not always making the throws and not, not even always, but not often enough solid quarterback. 7 out of 10. Can you improve on that? Yes, you can. While the efficiency numbers may not be there for Luke Altmaier, you got to hope that the talent level, especially with time, can exceed what you got with Tommy DeVito this year. We saw a few times, and maybe, you know, it's like Barry Lunny was allergic to going downfield, and even though Tommy didn't make all the throws, I wish he would have tried more. But there was a wide-open Isaiah Williams on your last offensive drive that if you convert that, I think you go and win the damn game, and you didn't. You overthrew him. Those plays have to be made, and they weren't. And I knew it then. I knew when the, that sailed over Isaiah's head that, uh-oh, they're going to get the ball, and you kind of see where you kind of knew where it was going, right? It, there was this inevitability among us fans in the stadium, and I'm sure for you watching at home. And that is a disappointing end to what was a good season for Tommy. But, you know, here's the deal. This was someone that was not a blue-chip prospect in terms of you know, transfer quarterback. In high school, he was a four-star. But when you got him, it's not like you were super excited. You got, I think, about as much as you could out of Tommy DeVito. Um, Accurate in the short and intermediate routes, but limited in other aspects. Isaiah Williams was fantastic. Captain of the team, showed out. He will be your playmaker next year. And that's okay. Reggie Love, I mean, I'm not going to really fault him. There were no holes for him to run through. The offensive line is why I think you lost the game. And I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if you can just chalk it up to, well, the SEC just has better athletes. Even a mediocre SEC defensive line is just going to beat a Big Ten offensive line. Though I think it's got to be more than that. Something was amiss. I don't know if there were injuries we didn't hear about. The offensive line sucked. That was just really, really bad. And and, and the reason I think that you lost that game Wide receivers, Casey Washington, I think he's he's going to be a nice guy to have back next year. Brian Hightower, of course, didn't play and he transferred. I think that's a loss. I don't want to over uh, overlook that because Brian Hightower was kind of your third down safety blanket this year. He was a guy that could get the out pattern, third and seven, or the quick slant, big body. Maybe he knows something we don't about like a Malik Elzey. And if you get him a leak, Elzey, I'm less concerned because even though he's a freshman, I think he'll play right away and have an impact. I think wide receiver, you can overcome that. But um, Isaiah, great game. Casey, good game as well. Try to think if there's anybody else I'm missing, though. I mean, you're a specialist. Punter had a good game. Caleb's other field goal sure would have been nice, but he did make another long one, and I'm not going to get that angry about it. At the end of the day, you got to score more than one touchdown. You have to. And when it came down to it, who made the plays? Mississippi State, that touchdown that was by the skin of their teeth in the back of the end zone, okay, kudos to them, man. I mean, that that was a hell of a catch, and that was that was my first F-bomb of the game. <laughs> We're texting Trevor and Isaac. Isaac's in the press box watching it. Trevor's at home, 
And Trevor's like, there's no way he got it in upon first viewing on TV. I thought the same thing from our vantage point. It was in our end zone on our side. Um, then Isaac said, no, I, I think looking at the scoreboard here in the replays, I think he's in. And, you know, they, they couldn't overturn it. It was the slimmest of space between his foot and the white. And that's how it goes. It was a hell of a play. They made plays. And here's the thing. It is more difficult for me to accept losses if you feel like you got screwed or something, right? That That is tougher in a way. It's easier to accept when you simply just don't make the damn plays and the other team does. And to me, it comes down to these two moments. Your final or second to last offensive drive, you got bailed out by a taunting against Mississippi State and a defensive holding. And I don't even know if you got it across midfield. They were bailing you out and you didn't take advantage of it. Last comment, Barry Lunny. Two more comments, actually. Barry Lunny. I like parts of what he does. I don't know, and time will tell, I suppose, if he just felt like they were limited what they could do in the passing game, and he called things close to the best. And it almost got you to 10 wins, but unfortunately, whether it be Michigan being overly conservative on your last offensive drive, not getting it done against Indiana, and not getting it done against Mississippi State, to me, those are the three games of the year. Michigan State and Purdue just outplayed you. But you should have won Indiana. You should have won Michigan. You should have won this game. And the offense is the reason why you didn't really against Michigan and Mississippi State for sure. Um, I I don't know if he feels like he's limited and and that he's just going to open everything up next year. I somehow doubt it. But there is just kind of a a lack of identity. And Brett Bielema said that himself. I got to wonder, is Brett Bielema going to become more hands-on? Something needs to change next year. Because if the offense is just like they were next year, okay, let me rephrase. If the offense has a repeat performance next year of what they were this year, you know, you're you're clawing for a bowl game because that defense is not going to be elite. I think they're still going to be good. I don't think they're going to be elite. You're going to have to find your way to wins here. And this leads me to my last point. Brett Bielema, eight and five after starting five and seven. So right now you're looking at a guy that's 13 and 12 through his first two years, considering what he inherited. Pretty damn good, right? You got to start winning these close games. Um, I, I know winning is a process. It takes time, building a culture, all that, and especially with football, getting class after class after class. But let's not pretend that this team didn't have talent. They did. Um, of course, he maximized that with his development and the coaches as well. Did a great job of that. But you've got to find a way to win these close games. So when it comes to situational football and, and closing things out, you want to think that a Brett Bielema can out-scheme the interim now named head coach Arnett at Mississippi State. You'd like to think so, right? That's what you extended him for, that you have a head coach that is superior to most other head coaches you'll play. I think in many respects, Brett Bielema is a superior head coach to many other coaches that he'll face. Unfortunately, all that matters is the wins. So just because I think it doesn't make it true, he's got to start winning these close games. And That's the next step and the most important. And um, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they'll get it done. I don't know if that's the case. I feel more confident that they will. And I go into next season thinking that's probably a seven and five team, right? I think they find their way to seven wins and I'd be happy with that because that would indicate sustained success. I don't need 10 wins. I don't need nine wins. I don't even need eight next year, even though that would be great. But the schedule sets itself up. And if you really want to show Illini fans that are really weary about this, that this is different, you must make a bowl next year. I mean, it is non-negotiable. 
If they go five and seven, I feel like, damn it, we're right back at square one. And you might say, Carp, chill out, dude. It's only year three. And you might have a point. But I'm talking more about the average Illini fan that looked at November and thought, man, what happened? We blew it. And I tried with every fiber of my being to not go down that cynical route. But in a way, you kind of did. And the Mississippi State game was unfortunately a reminder of some of that pain that you felt in November. Not a way that you wanted to go out. The experience was still great. I want to go to bowl games just because it's, it's a nice excuse to go somewhere in the winter. Tampa was fantastic. I hope we're back there soon. And yeah, um, just wish we could have gotten the win because 9-4 and four just feels better than 8-5, and five, and now we wait. I love football, damn it, but I hate how long you got to wait for it. And even the spring game. I, I texted Isaac I, the next day. I said, you know, Isaac, if you if you catch wind of it, he works at the DIA. Like, let me know when the spring game is. I want to start playing the tailgate. I'm excited for it, but also there is a sense that we'll look back on this year, or the way we look back on this year is kind of predicated on what comes next. And if they build on this success, we will look back on this year fondly. If they don't build on this, we'll look back on it as a missed opportunity. And I hope that's not the case. All right. Crappy New Year indeed. No, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm doing well otherwise. Don't let my ranting and raving confuse you. I'm a, I'm a happy guy. I'm just a little bit pissed off with Illinois basketball right now and, and bummed about the way Illinois football ended, though I still feel pretty optimistic about them overall. Uh, Malik Elsie committing on Saturday. Hopefully that is locked up for Illinois. That would be big. Um, we, of course, have more in the way of draft announcements and transfer portal stuff. So, you know, as, as we go forward in this month, Hopefully basketball gives us some positive things to talk about, and hopefully football does as well. Um, Last thing before we get out of here, women are playing tonight against Northwestern, so you may be listening to this after that game is played, but wow, Shauna Green and what she has done is just incredible, and kudos to her and the team. My sister took her nieces and took her kids, uh, my nieces and nephew, to the game on Sunday, was it? New Year's Day? 5,000-plus people. Sounded like it was a great atmosphere. It was a hell of a game, high scoring, just awesome. You know, it's a program that we forgot about because they didn't give us reasons to tune in. And just like that, snap of your finger, one year, Shauna Green has turned this into something pretty impressive that they would make the tournament if it happened today. And I hope the momentum continues. I hope they keep rolling. Just awesome stuff. A great story, any way that you look at it. And I bet there'll be a good crowd there tonight. And when the students get back, I hope they make a push to try to get more students to those games as well. Uh, let's see here. Brad says, just came over from the Illini basketball podcast. Which one would that be, Brad? Do they have an official one or is that maybe Illini Inquirer? Yeah. Uh, you might've missed the ranting and raving over here, but, uh, we'll be posting that as soon as I, I get off of this live podcast, but all right. It is what? 5 40 PM. It's dinner time. Then chill out. Watch the women's game tonight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch some of it. So, um, thank you guys for tuning in and uh, hopefully there was some catharsis to be offered there. Uh, especially in, in regards to Illinois basketball. You know, I want them to win so bad, ultimately. I can say that I don't care, but of course I do. Um, but right now, in terms of emotional investment in this team, that's kind of stagnant. It's on pause until they give me reason to be reinvested. Uh, DP Doe, I'm on dpdoe.com. We got Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. 
Rector Construction online at RECTORConstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, get a free quote today at RECTORConstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he could be your guy as well at BrianIsMyGuy.com. All right, Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening, for watching. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to us, and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. So close to 200 subscribers for the 200 level on YouTube. All right, everybody, have a good rest of your, what is it, Thursday I'm losing track of what day it is. Have a good rest of your Thursday evening, a great weekend, and we will be back, yes, for the second half of Illinois, Wisconsin. I would hope that we have something positive to talk about, because if not, oh my God, it might get bad. All right, everybody, take care. See you soon. It is the 200 Level.